Hello, parents. Welcome to the Masterful Parenting Podcast. I'm Ann Alvarez, parent coach, school counselor, and mom of two. Do you struggle with your relationship with your kids because you carry childhood pain? Do you get triggered by your child's behavior, become irrational, and maybe even yell at your children? Maybe you want to be a better parent, but you don't know how. Instead of repeating old patterns, you want to heal your pain, become more aware of your child's needs, feel connected to your kids, and learn the tools to communicate better so you can truly enjoy your parenting. If you are ready to heal your childhood pain, raise healthy, connected, and happy kids, and end the cycle of parenting with pain, then join me. Our kids deserve it, and we can do this. Let's go. Hello, parents. Welcome to the Masterful Parenting Podcast. I am super excited because I have a special guest today. Her name is Dr. Susan Blomberg, and uh, she's going to be uh, uh, with us, joining us and giving us her expertise. So I'm going to let her um, introduce herself to you. Go ahead, Dr. Susan. Oh, hello, Anne. I'm so excited to be here. I'm Dr. Susan Bloomberg. I'm a parent and teen coach with a background in clinical psychology, worked as a child, adolescent, and family therapist for 25 years, and I've been a parent and teen coach for the last seven years. I specialize in working with teens and young adults who are working on communication, executive functioning, and uh, relationships. Excellent. Thank you for that introduction. Okay, so I'm going to ask you a series of questions. I'll start with the first one. What is the first step to communicating with our children? Oh, it's such a good question. And the answer is listening. You know, we always think that what we really want to do is talk to our kids, but what we really need to do is listen to our kids because our kids let us know in so many ways what's really important to them. And all too often we miss that because we're talking too much. You know, it sounds so funny to say that, but what our kids say to us, both with their words and their behavior is so much more important than what we say to them. And so one of the important things I say to parents right away is behavior is communication. Are they having meltdowns? Are they throwing tantrums? Are they hiding in their rooms? Are they trying to tell us something? Do they say, oh, mom or dad, you never listen to me. How often do we hear that? I know I heard that from my kids a lot. And so those are all signals that what we can do best as parents is listen to our kids, listen to what they're trying to tell us instead of telling them what we want them to do, how we want them to behave, talking to them about our rules, our expectations. I mean, we could talk forever and ever. I could spend hours just on this topic. But what we really want to do is listen. And what I teach parents is a way to do what's called active listening. And active listening, it's an old concept, um, gone, go back decades, you hear this, is a way to listen to other people, whether it's our spouse, our partner, our kids, that promotes trust and respect. 
Yes. Do you want to uh, give us an example of active listening? Absolutely. Absolutely. So active listening is when the person who's the listener, right, in this case, the parent, is listening with their whole heart and their whole mind. We're not thinking about what we're going to say next. We're not thinking about our rebuttal (laughs) to whatever it is the other person is saying, but we're listening well enough so that we can say back to the speaker, in this case, our kid or our teen, um, what they said in our own words, what's called paraphrasing. So if the person who's speaking says, mom, I don't like when you, you know, rushed me to do my homework or nagged me to do my homework when I was still talking on the phone, Mm -hmm. then mom has to say, okay, Susan, what you said was you didn't like when I nagged you to do your homework when you were still talking to Jane. Now, that's not what parents usually say. Right. Parents usually say, but it was time to do your homework. You were on the phone for a long time. You never do your homework on time. You should do your homework first. Right. Parents have their own agenda. Yes. Yes. So we do the paraphrasing so that our child knows that we heard what they said. Exactly. Right? That was a great paraphrase. Yeah. Yes. Okay. <laughs> and okay. what that does is it promotes trust and respect. Mm-hmm. And then parents will say, but my kid doesn't respect me because they don't do what I say. Yes. But the point is, is that if your kid doesn't feel trusted and respected, they won't return trust and respect to you. Exactly. And it's a two-way street because then when you paraphrase back to them, so what I heard you say, Susan, is that you wanted to be able to finish your phone call before I told you to do your homework. And your kid, he is this huge sigh of relief. (gasps) Yes, mom, that's what I said. Then when you mom say, well, it's important to me that we have time for calls and time for homework. Your kid has to paraphrase too. So mom, what you're saying is time for phone calls, time for homework. You as mom will also feel trusted and respected because you've developed a mutual respect and mutually good communication. Yeah, this is actually very healthy communicating, right? When you hear each other. Yes. That is and that's a healthy relationship. We call that intent equaling impact. The speaker has an intent. This mm-hmm. is the message I want to get across. And then there's an impact on the listener. Did I actually hear what the speaker meant to say? Right? We heard each other accurately. Mm-hmm. And we didn't allow our own feelings, our own judgments, our own hurt. You know, the kid doesn't say, mom, you never listen to me. You know, the mom doesn't say, my kid's being disrespectful. We actually heard clearly the intent of what the other person had to say. It leads to so much more productive and useful conversations. Wow, it takes, it makes total sense. I love that. I love that so much. Okay, so 
my second question is, what is the next step then? So we have uh, listening, listening really well. Behavior is communication. And we need to listen actively with yes. therapy. Okay, so what's the next step? Well, I want to get back to the behavior is communication, because okay. that's actually part of the next step. So okay. if we've had these good, active listening conversations, and both members of the conversation feel listened to, we then look at the behavior. Has the behavior changed? Right? Is the mm-hmm. kid now hanging up the phone and getting to their homework or mm-hmm. not? Right? Yes. So yes. if the kid does hang up that phone and get to their homework, then we know that we've had a full and complete conversation. Both sides have felt listened to and all their feelings have been expressed and understood because, right, behavior has changed. They both feel listened to, understood, respected. But what if the behavior has not changed, right? And what if... Mom says, okay, it's homework time now, you know, time to finish up that conversation. And kid doesn't hang up and homework still isn't being done. We have a clue in that behavior, right? That, whoops, the listening wasn't complete. The behavior hasn't changed. So we know rather than get into another fight, We have a clue that we didn't have a complete enough conversation and we have to go back to step one. Apparently, we didn't have enough conversation. Can we go back and talk more? Or we see, yes, mom, I'll get off the phone and go do my homework. We have a clue in the behavior change that we did have a good conversation and it's time to, you know, move on and deal with whatever the next issue is. Behavior is communication. Now, if we have further conversation and the behavior doesn't change, we go to problem solving. Problem solving starts with brainstorming. Now, I love the brainstorming stage, but it's really hard for a lot of families because it's not what you think it is. Brainstorming is when we have a clear slate and we come up with as many possible solutions to the problem as we can without judgment. There's the key word, no judgment. So we can come up with good suggestions, healthy suggestions, silly suggestions, you know. So one of the ones I always like to practice problem solving with is washing the dishes. So most teenagers that I work with, one of their chores is probably washing the dishes or filling the dishwasher, right? Mm -hmm. And so we can have a bunch of solutions. We can say, kid washes the dishes, you know, every other day, and maybe the other sibling or the parent does it every other day, okay? Mm -hmm. One solution could be we all use paper plates and we throw them all away and nobody has to wash the dishes. Another solution could be hiring a maid who comes in and washes the dishes. Uh, Whoops, that's my Siri answering the question. Um, Another solution could be, you know, I had two kids. One washes and loads the dishwasher. The other one unloads and put away the clean dishes. And Mm -hmm. they take turns. You know, so here we are coming up with 
positive solutions, alternative solutions, silly solutions. There's no judgment. It allows everyone to participate without feeling judged. Nobody puts in any negative comments here. And so then after we've come up with a list of possible solutions, we can go back and discuss them and choose a solution to try. And all possible solutions have a period of time. We're gonna try this for a week or two weeks, and then we'll come back and see if the solution is working for us or not. So maybe we decide we'll take turns during the week and on the weekends we'll use paper plates. Um, and, And then we try that solution for a while until we see if it's working for our family or not. So Mm -hmm. what we do is we try to lighten the mood. We try to, again, take judgment out of it. And then we look to see behavior is communication. Are we, is this solution working for us? Are we still having conflicts? And if we're still having conflicts, what does that tell us? We didn't have sufficient talk, making sure all our feelings and needs were discussed. We go back to active listening. Okay. Okay. Wow. That's a process, but I love it. I love it. I love the problem solving brainstorming stage. It's really great. Isn't it fun? And because we allow silly solutions as well as helpful ones, we kind of lighten the mood and we help everyone then get to, okay, enough silly. What actually could work for our family? Right. I love that. Okay. That's so good. All right, Dr. Susan, uh, my last question. How do we communicate with our children in a way that builds relationship and trust? Okay. Well, you know that it starts with active listening. And it goes through more active listening. (laughs) And then it ends with active listening. But let's talk about how. One of the key things here is for parents to realize that listening to their teens and their kids is the most important step. It's all about respect. And if you show your kids respect, even a seven or eight-year-old deserves respect for their feelings and their needs. It's not about telling our kids what to do. It's about adjusting our expectations to what our kids are capable of. And because behavior is communication, it means adjusting our expectations to what our children are capable of. And we call this the lens change. So I'm wearing glasses and many of our listeners will wear glasses or contact lenses and their kids will as well. Many of us have gone to the eye doctor. And when you go to the eye doctor, they put that big machine in front of your face and they switch the lenses. They say, is it clearer when you look through lens one or lens two? And I wear trifocals. I have three different prescriptions in my glasses. So we get to lens five and six, and then we get to lens seven or eight before I see anything clearly because I have such bad eyes. And I tell my parents about the lens change. I say, you have expectations for your kids. And sometimes your kids can't live up to that. Maybe they have ADHD. Maybe they have autism. Maybe they have a reading disability. And maybe they're just young and immature. 
but for whatever reason, they can't live up to your expectations. And you know this because their behavior is communicating it, right? You've Mm -hmm. set down an expectation and they can't live up to it for whatever reason. And so what you need is a lens change. And the lens change you need is kids do well when they can. And if kids are not doing well, it means they don't have the skill or ability to live up to that expectation. Now, again, the reason could be immaturity, it could be ADHD, it could be some other reason, but you're expecting something from your child that they can't live up to. We start with talking with them to find out what the issues are, but sometimes it comes down to that what we're expecting of our child is unrealistic. And we have to change our lens to understand why our child can't do what we're asking of them. Mm. Right? Now, we could keep insisting that our kid do this and our kid can consistently fail. Mm -hmm. And then we end up with a lot of issues in our family. Or we could adjust our expectations, change the lens we're looking at our child and set up the situation for success. We could give them supports. We could give them accommodations. We could help them learn a skill that they didn't otherwise have. Mm -hmm. Think about swimming, tennis, riding a bicycle, learning to cook. We don't just throw them in. We teach them. And then they become successful. Yes. Oh, Dr. Susan, you're speaking my language. I just totally, totally love everything you're saying. I I feel like like I'm in a a few parent groups on Facebook, and I feel like a lot of parents are hung up on chores. Yes. my, My kids are not doing these chores. Why are they not doing these chores? Like, I'm not a chore uh, parent at all. Like, uh, for, for me, my, 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 my lens is different. My lens is um, because my parents made us do so much. I don't want my children to feel that I want my children to be children. And if I do have an expectation, um, I'm looking at my reason is my reason because I want them to learn something is my reason because I want to do something together with them. And then we get the benefit of having that together that we're doing. Um, And it's not about they need to do things to help me as a parent, because I can't cope with all the housework and the cleaning and the thing. See, this is where I have a struggle uh, sometimes where I feel like parents are um, expecting these things because they need help, you know, in the the home. But maybe maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. But I, I just feel like for me personally, it's an honor to serve my children. Um, I have a window where I get to serve them. And then once they leave home, I don't serve them anymore. You know? Well, can I offer a lens change? Yes. Another way, another way to think about chores is you're teaching your child life skills, Mm -hmm. not to help you, you're capable of doing it, Mm -hmm. but to teach them life skills that they need in order to become independent adults. So I'm perfectly capable of washing the dishes and vacuuming and making the beds, 
but perhaps I need to teach children those life skills so that when they leave my home, they're capable of being independent adults. So I had my children and every year of school, I'd add a chore, pull up their blankets or put their dirty laundry in their own laundry basket or help with the dishes, not because I needed assistance, but because I saw it as teaching them life skills that they would need. So when they left my home, they could become independent adults and have all those skills under their belt. What about that lens change? How does that I, sound? I, I actually really love that. With my 23-year-old, I taught him everything. Like, um, But also when he started working uh, as a banquet server, he knew how to make sandwiches. He knew how to... I noticed actually after he started working at 16, he was doing more at home. Exactly. Because, yeah, because he had, he had learned those skills in the job. And so I didn't have to nag him. He, right. just, he just did them, right? So right. I love I love that idea of um, you have the intention of them learning these life skills exactly. so that when they leave home, they have these skills. Exactly. But what I was going to say is, like, do you find, Dr. Susan, that there's a readiness also? Because sometimes um, children need more time, like they need to be a Absolutely. little bit older, more mature, you know, Absolutely. ready. Absolutely. Absolutely. wanting to learn. ages that you yes. introduce certain things. I yes. completely believe that. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I think we're totally on the same page. Yes. Um, I, I love that. I love the, the the lens change. I love, I'm the same. I believe that commu- all behavior is communication. Um, the listening is hard for parents because uh, I think a lot of us were not listened to. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So we follow what we, what we learned as children. Uh, and we have to change the way we are with our kids, right? So the yes. listening, so, so crucial. So I just want to thank you for like all that uh, you've imparted with us, all of these um, these gems. And uh, do you want to just tell our listeners how they find you, where they can yes. go? Yes, my yes. website is drsusanblumberg.com. So that's easy to find. You find all the services I offer there and you can make an appointment for a free 30-minute consult with me if you want to talk about what's happening with your family. I work with teens and young adults at this time and um, not young children, I'm sorry. But um, if you have any questions, you can make a free 30-minute consult with me and I'd be happy to talk with you about your family. Wow, that's amazing. Thank you so much, Dr. Susan, for being the guest today. Um, I learned some things, so I appreciate you so much. Um, My pleasure. Yeah, I wish you all the best. And I just want to say, parents, yeah, parents, uh, let's recap a little bit of what Dr. Susan said. So all behavior is communication. We have to listen and we have to model active listening. And that includes paraphrasing what our children say so that they know that we heard them. Um, And then we got to move into problem solving and brainstorming uh, because this is where the real work happens to make changes in our families. And then we try the solutions for one to two weeks and see, did it work? Did it not work? Right. Uh, We always want our children to feel respected. Uh, We want them to feel heard. And that is what helps uh, build relationship. And as parents, we have to change our lens. Um, Sometimes our lens is not helpful. 
And the lens change means that we have to look at ourselves, how we're seeing things and maybe change it to see it the way our child sees things. And that is what is going to build relationship. And kids do well when they can. So if they're not doing well, we need, we, we know something is happening. Either uh, they're not ready or uh, they need support. They need to be shown how to do it. And so we can offer that to our children. So thank you so much, Dr. Susan. And thank you, parents. You know, I love you. And uh, I am excited uh, that you get to listen to this podcast. And I will see you next time. Thank you so much. Thank you. If this podcast inspired, blessed, or changed you in any way, I would love for you to share this with your family and friends on your Instagram page and tag me at Masterful Parenting and join my Masterful Parenting Facebook page or DM me for more parenting support. And I will meet you here real soon. Remember, be relational with your kids and you will see a change. Love to all you parents out there. Let's change the world one parent at a time.